0: Welcome to the First Prez podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. Our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at firstprezcos.org. Amen. I need a baton for that, right? <laughs> We're ready. Amen. Good job. Your work matters. Friends, uh, A couple of quick things here. So you heard Andy talking about Vision Weekend. Uh, This is a huge weekend that we have planned, a huge day Saturday. As we we paused in the middle of that worship, friends, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. And when we invite God to be present to us, when we give an hour of worship like this, you know, Jesus said, you don't have to wonder where I am because I promise wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. I'm right here. And God gets to do what God wants to do. And so we're responsive to the Spirit of God. And, and that's this weekend, we're trying to be responsive to the Spirit of God at work, pulling us forward as a church. So we're talking about the, the First Presbyterian Way, seven values in our pursuit of Jesus. But really what we're doing is opening ourselves up to this rally where the Spirit of God is moving our church into the next chapter. There's a, someone on our staff who said to me this morning, Tim, after 25 years around this church, I've never seen us do anything this big. This is going to be a huge day. If you can at all be there for any part of it, please register. If you register, uh, then we know you're coming. You'll, have, you'll get a sandwich, <laughs> for one thing, and, uh, and some gifts, and uh, so that helps us if you register. We hope that you can be here this, this coming weekend. Uh, we're in good job. Uh, your faith work, your, uh, sorry, your work matters. What are we talking about? Faith and work, that's what we're talking about, both of them, and... Um, And I hope that you picked up one of these cards last week, but we're having a little fun. You can pick up one of these cards at the end of the service, take a picture of yourself wherever you're applying yourself in the world, and hashtag it. We've seen some great things come through in our community of where we are at work in the world. And today we're talking about a good job at home. We're going to read from Titus, a little letter toward the end of the scriptures. We're going to dip into Titus a few times on this series. And today we're reading Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. And as you find your way there, navigate to it. Uh, Let's open our hearts in prayer. Lord, we pray that you would join us, that you would speak to us, that you would use your word to do your work in your people, and that you would open our hearts and open our ears to hear your voice, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. The church said, amen. Amen. Titus chapter 1, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, In the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time, and which now at his appointed season he has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior. To Titus, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. This is God's word. We're grateful. Amen? Good job at home. So we're in this faith and work series where we're asking, does my work matter to God? What about all this, the 167 hours I'm outside of church? What about where I'm applying my, my life? Does God care about my work? Does my work matter to God? What's the relationship between these things? And we saw last week that we were made by God with certain gifts and talents, time and energy that we're supposed to use to the glory of God making a difference in this world. We were made to work. We were made to work. But work when we say work it's a bigger category than just that paycheck job that we think of. Work is whatever you apply your time and energy to. Whatever you're doing, that's work. Whatever you're doing in the world, that's work and your job, your work can be glorious as you glorify God in your job. And what do we want to hear when we when we do our effort, when we make our effort, when we spend ourselves, we want to hear good job. Right? But even more than that, we want to hear what Jesus said in Matthew 25. The master replied, you want to say it with me? Well done, good and faithful servant. We want to hear that so much. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. And what a celebration. What a celebration to know that what we did mattered to God. So you were made to work. It's part of your makeup, but... Work isn't easy because work is cursed. After the fall, work is cursed and we get confused by it and we get frustrated by it and we can't accomplish the things that we want to accomplish and we can't make the impact that we want to make because work isn't what it was all made to be. And we get confused by it and, and here's what happens. We either think too much of it and so we wrap our whole identity up into it. Like if unless I succeed, I'm nobody. Or we think too little of it and all we want to do is escape it as fast as we can and act like it doesn't matter. But both of these are, can be changed. They can be redeemed by the gospel. They can be brought together. The gospel can change how you work wherever you work. And your job can be glorious when you glorify God in your job. And this passage this morning, what this is showing us, what this is telling us is that the first venue for working all of this out. The first kind of sphere of influence that we have where we, we move into this and we try to, to make a difference in the world. And, and, and so the first venue for all of our, our work and all of our confusion, all of our false expectations and all of our, our success and our failure, that first venue, that first place, and therefore the first place where we truly feel the redemption of Christ that first circle is work at home in our family, in our family. We want to hear good job at home. The family photo, an annual exercise that we uh, just passed. Here's the picture of the McConnells. If you're on our list, you got a little card in the mail. looked like us. And, and uh, what we did not show you is the work. That went into getting that picture to come out right, right? Because the family photo, it doesn't always turn out exactly the way you want. You see that? That's not probably what they were aiming for. It's hard to get everyone on the team on the same page sometimes. And, uh, and when they're not on the same page, you know, sometimes you just have to wind up taking what you can get say yep that's the one that's the one we're going to send out right there sometimes when you get to the family photo not everybody is as interested in taking the photo as everyone else i'll give you 20 bucks who decided today was the day for the family photo right can you guess i think you can and sometimes sometimes the kids are not very excited about taking the family photo we're hanging out with each other. But listen to me, trust me, Photoshop isn't always the answer that you want it to be. (laughs) But when you're in trouble, a theme can really help to get you the, the perfect, perfect, family photo. (laughs) Anybody feel like that dad sometimes? (laughs) All right, all right. It's not easy to win that one. It's not easy to win. We're helpful for anybody who helps, right? It's hard work, it's hard work, it's hard work at home, but it can be redeemed. Let's look at Titus. It's a short letter to a young church in in Crete and to its pastor, Titus. Titus probably came to Christ when Paul and Barnabas were sharing the gospel in Antioch. You can look at that in Acts chapter 11. And then he shows up again and again and again uh, in Acts and he shows up in Paul's letters. A very important figure. He went with Paul to Ephesus and to Galatia. He's the one who was actually the courier uh, between Paul and Corinth. So we have the Corinthian letters because of this guy Titus. Really important key figure. And apparently he was with Paul when the church was planted in Crete. And then Paul went on, and this would be late in Paul's ministry, and he he wrote back to Titus who was left behind. And Titus was left behind in Crete, not to fix problems, but to set things up right from the beginning. And his first order of business is to find leaders, to find elders, and to appoint those elders in Crete, to to govern the church and to to listen to Christ and people who would be able to shepherd the household of God, the church, and keep it from going off track. So just a note, that word elders, that's the Greek word presbyteros, and that's where we get our little name Presbyterian, you know, Presbyterian, because we have elders who keep us on track with Jesus. And I hope you pray for your elders. You know, we want to be responsive to the Spirit. I'm one of the elders. So I hope you pray for me, because I need it. Okay, so now we get into the context right away. Verse one, Paul. Each of these letters starts with uh, I'm the guy writing it, you're the one receiving it, and then a greeting. So we're gonna start with this. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ to further the faith of God's elect, of God's people, God's children, and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. So two things, to further the faith and the knowledge. The faith, faith, trust in God, trust in God alone. Why further that? Because you put your faith, you put your trust in anything else in this world. You put it in your work, you put it in your performance, you put it in anything else other than God, and you will be disappointed. Further the faith. And further the what? The knowledge. Knowledge, that's awareness of the truth of God that leads to goodness, that leads to godliness. And we want to further that because bad theology hurts people. So we get to verse 2. It goes on. The faith, the knowledge, in the hope of eternal life, which God who does not lie promised before the beginning of time. Now that's a, that's a little bit of an odd name for God. God who does not lie. That tells you a little bit about the context, okay? This is Crete. If Crete was famous for anything, if the Cretans were known in the world for any great skill, do you know what it was? Lying. Lying. That's right. (laughs) They were excellent liars. And in fact, you learn that as you go through the chapter. There's a a quote from a Cretan philosopher, Epimenides, who, who says this about his own people. This is what this philosopher says about his own people. Cretans are always liars. Evil brutes, lazy gluttons. That's your friend talking. I mean, he's talking about his own people here. You know? Now, does that sound like a rough context? Listen, research says in our time that 60% of us in the course of a 10-minute conversation will tell, how many lies do you think? Two to three, not six. Praise God. (laughs) Two to three. I don't know who you're talking to. Yeah. Two to three. Two to three. Two to three lies in a 10-minute conversation. 60%. So that means that you and I, we hear 200 lies on average per day. And those aren't the lies that you're telling yourself. Those are the lies that others are throwing at you. So listen. In a lying world, we need a God who does not lie. We need a message from a non-lying God. And that's who he is. His promises are sure. So this letter, you get all this set up. Okay, I'm Paul. And then to, to whom? To Titus, who he says is, again, he says, he's my true child in the faith. True, genuine, legitimate. This is real. This is truth here. It's truth. And grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Now, he gets his job. What's Titus going to do? He's going to go find leaders ready to shape the household of God. And how is he going to do that? He's going to find leaders ready to shape the household of God by looking for leaders who have rightfully, and in a healthy way, influenced their own households. See, that's what Titus is going to go out and do. In the middle of Cretan culture, He's supposed to appoint elders. And if your Bible's open, you'll see it says appoint elders for every town. You see, this is in the middle of the culture. We're going to put leaders out there, and they're going to have to have an influence on their towns. And so we're going to look for a leader, an ideal leader type, that in this Cretan culture is going to stand up for the gospel, going to represent the love of Jesus, going to represent the character of God. So what is this? This is an ideal we're going we 're going to point out the ideal of leadership doesn 't necessarily draw it doesn 't necessarily draw the the outside boundaries of anyone who would lead. This is a central ideal. The leader should have these virtues should be escaping these vices. You see what i 'm saying and when you read it, folks, when you read something like this it 's going to sting it 's going to sting what 's that leader look like that you 're looking for? An elder must be what? Blameless. blameless. I'm already writing my my uh, resignation. Fa- <laughs> must be blameless, right? Faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer, uh, uh, an elder, same thing, manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Not those things. But rather he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Oof That's a high bar. That's a high bar. Now let me make some notes as we go through this, right? An elder must be. Okay. A man. Should all elders be men, many churches believe this, many Christians believe this. resolve this out of of scriptures. I want you to understand that uh, that we don 't at first press we don 't believe that this scripture limits leadership only to men for all times now um, I'm just going to, have to say this quickly and I know it doesn't satisfy every here but we don't believe that because we believe that that would be inconsistent with other 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 parts of scripture such as Acts 2 where the Holy Spirit is poured out on women to prophesy Luke 8 where the women supporting Jesus ministry are listed by name very odd in the ancient world John 20 where Mary Magdalene is told by Jesus to proclaim his resurrection to preach his resurrection to be a preacher and the list of uh, women that show up in Paul's letters like Lydia uh, Phoebe, Priscilla. So, Scripture interprets Scripture, and you have to let clear places clarify the foggy spots. And I'm telling you, you know, not all Christians agree on this, and we're, we're humble, we're patient with one another, we understand uh, one another, but I want you to know, I want you to understand, when you're here at First Pres, we would not ordain women if we believe the Bible told us not to do it, Okay? We don't do things as a church that we believe the Bible's telling us not to do. We ordain women into all offices of the church because we believe that the voice of Scripture not only allows for it, but promotes the idea as a representation of Christ's redemptive work over the curse. That's a big, that's a big topic, okay? What I want you to see is honor, dignity, equality for women... You don't have to run outside of these scriptures to find that. That's in these scriptures, not in the arguments against these scriptures. Same thing as we're celebrating Martin Luther King Jr. tomorrow and the dream of racial equality. We recognize that honor, dignity, equality among all races of people, it's found in these scriptures. Amen? Not in the attack against them, okay? Big topic, big topic. I know that. Uh, you know, he's sending me off on another sermon entirely here. But uh, he says, come on, let's go, right? And uh, big topic as you think about that. There's lots of study. Uh, so send your emails, care of uh care of Jennifer Holtz, executive pastor. <laughs> sure. okay. so, so, but let's get here's the standard for leadership, okay? Here's the standard for leadership. Titus is supposed to go out and he's supposed to say, okay, I want to look for leaders who are going to shepherd the household of God. How are they doing shepherding their household? How are they doing influencing their home? And what what are they supposed to be? They're supposed to be blameless. You look for blameless. Look for faithful to his wife. Literally in Greek, that's a one-woman man, it says. A one-woman man. That's the only place in the passage that uses the word man. Um, But it's a one-woman man. And that's not a statement against remarriage or divorce. Both of those we find in Scripture. But it's against polygamy and adultery that were pervasive. They were pervasive. Faithful. Whose children at home uh, have faith. They're believing. Uh, It's the word for little children. Little children at home, they're believing. And no one calls them wild or disobedient. Uh-oh, okay. <laughs> don't, don't bring that picture back up. Okay, what else? Not overbearing. You can't be overbearing in leadership. Not violent, not abrasive, not quick-tempered. Not given to drunkenness. This, again, is, this is one word in Greek. It means alongside wine, like wine alongside. Wherever he goes, wine goes. Wherever wine goes, he goes. You know what I'm saying? And what is that telling you? That's telling you it's bound to it, addicted to it tied to it you can't go into leadership bound to addiction friends if you are if you are in a place where you feel bound tied and you don't think there's freedom i want you to call us tomorrow i want you to call us this afternoon there is freedom from addiction in jesus christ and we want to get you moving not bound not tied and they don't have this uh this this false motive they're not trying to get dishonest gain. Instead of these vices, they should have what? They should have these virtues. They should be hospitable. Literally, that's a, a word in Greek that just says "stranger lover." You, you've heard of "stranger danger." This is "stranger lover." Good. I'm glad you heard of that. You need to know about that, man. But this is this is "stranger lover." Never met someone I I didn't want to make a friend out of. And and a lover of good, a good lover, not not just a hater of bad. Okay. That's a different thing. But a lover of good. Wow, that's good. I love that. And they're, and they're hospitable. They're, they're a lover of good. They have faith. They have self-control, fruit of the Spirit, upright, holy, disciplined. In the middle of a cultural stream where it was very hard to find right and wrong and find any place to stand, they stepped forward and said, look for leaders who have these virtues and not these vices. Okay? Look for leaders believing that truth is in order to goodness, that faith and knowledge lead to godliness, knowing that under the pressure of leadership, what's inside is going to spill out onto the outside. I want you to find leaders then who are solid in faith at the core. Now in all of that, did you hear the family stuff? I bet you did. In the middle of all of that, he's saying, "Look look at the household. And even just reading that can be a sting. Why? Because we put so much expectation on ourselves. We've already put so much pressure of the expectations and hopes of a perfect home, perfect family, perfect job being in our, at home. We've put so much pressure on our own shoulders that when we read what is really kind of a straightforward uh, kind of standard, of, of responsibility, and we read it out of Scripture, it falls on our hearts like a ton of bricks. When we had our first child, Ellie, um, a couple of months later, our good friends had their first child, and um, because uh, I was two months in, and so I was the expert, <laughs> you know, I, I went to their house, and I said to my friend, so, hey, new dad, how are you feeling? And my friend said to me, Tim, two things have happened to my heart today. Number one, I love more than I ever thought I had capacity to love. And two, I am more frightened (laughs) than I ever thought I had the capacity to be. Why? Because this is a big deal. It's a big deal. And what do we want to hear? We want to hear good job. If there's anywhere we want to hear good job, it's at home. It's at home. And parenting is a huge deal. And the expectations can be crushing. Because even if we do everything right, even as a parent, if you do everything right, something's going to go wrong. And you know you're not going to do everything right. You know? So you know that if I bat a thousand, there's still something's gonna go wrong, but I'm not gonna turn in a thousand. I'm 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 trying to turn in like a good solid two ninety or three hundred on this, right? You know, and so so what are we what am I supposed to do? The expectations are so high. The weight of it can be so crushing. Well, you know there will be a mess. Jim Daly, the president of Focus on the Family, says in his book when parenting isn't perfect, he writes, you know what, there's a mess. And he writes this, he says, God does his best work in the mess. Oh, amen, I hope that's true, right? (laughs) And families have the blessing of mess. That I know is true. I know that's true. He writes, it's thrilling and frustrating and frightening because it's real. Perhaps the most real and most powerful thing we'll experience in our mortal lives, it's not perfect, we're not perfect, but maybe in the midst of its imperfection, family reflects something better, we see the heart of God in it. Friends, no one can guarantee the salvation of their kids. No one has the power to write the story for their family that's perfect. No one has the kind of influence to make everything work out in perfect order. There are no perfect parents. There are no perfect kids. There are no perfect sisters. There are no perfect brothers. But God moves in the imperfection and in the mess. So what is this all about then, this passage? What are we doing? What I'm trying to get us to see is this. we're We're made and called to make a difference in the world. We're called to work. And the first sphere in which we do that, the first proving ground, is at home. If you have kids, it's with your kids. If you're uh, just together with a spouse, it's the two of you doing that. If you're alone, single in the home, it's the home you make in singleness. This is the first sphere of influence, the proving ground of our work. But listen now, don't forget, the trouble with work is that it's cursed, and because it's cursed, we can't do all that we intend to do. We can't produce all that we intend to produce. And because we, we, uh, we're turned around and confused about our work, you know, we, we either, either think too much of it or we think too little of it. Now follow me now. The trouble with work at home and the work of parenting is that you can't do all that you intend to do. And if your identity is wrapped up in your success at producing the perfect home, at producing the perfect child. How's that going to go? You're doomed. (laughs) I'm doomed. We're doomed. it isn't going to happen. It isn't going to happen. You see, we either think too, too much of our work and we wrap our whole identity in it and, or we, we think too little of our work and all we want to do is escape it. All we want to do is back out as fast as we can. The gospel speaks to these. And he says, what does the gospel say? It says, no, your identity is not wrapped up in your success. Even at home. And, and, and so you can let go of that and at the same time, your contribution matters. It does matter. As you work for God, to the glory of God, as you're shaped in the likeness of Christ, you serve God and serve others, that matters to God. And you're free. You're free to work to the glory of Jesus, even at home. So this elder, friends, this elder that Titus is looking for, ideally all these indicator lights are going off, right? This external sign of internal spiritual health, ideally they're all going off. And then look at verse 9. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught. Why? So he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. But before doing that, what must he do? He must hold firmly to what? The trustworthy message. What's the trustworthy message? It's the gospel. It's the gospel that Jesus Christ has come to redeem our imperfect lives, that Jesus Christ has come to die for us and to be raised from the dead for us, that he died on the cross for our sins and for our transgressions, for our mistakes and for our errors. Listen, this this leader, leader, if this leader wants to lead, that leader better understand the gospel. If you want to lead, if you want to go out and make a difference in the world, you had better preach the gospel to yourself. And you better believe it and you better hold on to it and you better rest on it so firmly, so strongly that your life is built on the gospel that it's not about what you do but what Christ has done for you. And you better believe it so strong, hold it so tight that you can proclaim it, you can teach it. And when someone else tries to teach it bent, you can teach it straight. Amen? Amen? Hold on to the gospel, the faith of God's elect, the knowledge that leads to godliness, the hope of eternal life given to your heart through the proclamation of the word. You better hold on to that. Because when you look at your work, your influence, look at your spheres, you look at your family, you look at your influence at home, you look at it, see it, and then run run don't walk to the trustworthy message of the gospel you need that trustworthy message friends it's right here in verse in verse four in verse four where he says listen titus you're not out there running on your own you are a true child of god and then this greeting verse four you probably read right over it grace and peace would you say that with me Grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. How do we hammer ourselves with regret when we've got Christ Jesus our Savior who came and said, I knew that you weren't going to be perfect. I knew that you couldn't cross the finish line of perfection. I knew that you didn't have the power to write the perfect story for yourself or for those around you, and that's why I came. That's why I'm your Savior, and that's the foundation of grace. Friends, if you want to know the peace, if you want to have the peace, you've got to know the grace established in Christ our Savior. You've got a Father because you have a Savior. Well, friends, I knew we were biting off more than we could chew on this passage. It's a lot to think about, a lot to work through, and we're going to keep take a week off next week as we go into Vision Weekend, Vision Sunday, and we see how God's just calling us forward as a church. He's moving there's a Holy Spirit. He's moving this church and we've got a whole lot more to learn. Let me leave you again with the Halverson benediction. You go nowhere by accident. Wherever you go, God is sending you. Wherever you are, God has put you there. God has a purpose in your being there. Christ lives in you and has something he wants to do through you where you are. Believe this and go in the grace and love mm-hmm. and power. Of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to the First Pres Podcast. If you would like more information, you may visit our website at firstprezcos.org.